just by way of um, practicalities, uh, I have two girls. They are 11 and 9. That's where I'm at so far in life. So uh, talking about biblical discipline with two girls could maybe seem a little easier if you have a bunch of boys at home or something. Although I was a boy, still am, but was too, and uh, was on the receiving end of the most discipline in my family. Uh, so I, I also lived it. Yeah, there's stories out there. So, um, so we're going to look here. You know, uh, hey, guys, come on in. We're in Hebrews 12 if you have, if you have a Bible. But <clears throat> obviously there's no, if there's a special sauce, right, or a secret tactic that you could discipline a child and they could be what they're supposed to be, somebody would know it and have it. So we don't have that. What, what we have is what the scripture give us here. And so I want to just, you know, there's so many places you could go, try to give you a couple parameters um, and places at least that I think you can then think for yourself kind of how to get to the next spot in terms of some of the practicals or, or of how they'll work out for you. So Hebrews chapter 12, beginning in verse 5, if we can just read down a little bit, says this, and <clears throat> you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? For they indeed for a few days chastened us, as seems best to them. But he for our profit, that we may be partakers of his holiness. Now no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been chastened by it or trained by it. And again, Proverbs thirteen twenty four will say, He who spares his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him promptly. And I say that just to say in both these passages, it's obvious. God disciplines because he loves. So the the outcome of that discipline looks very different all through the bible you look at how god disciplines israel as a nation how he disciplines people individually but the whole point is love cannot have uh, a true expression without discipline as a part of it like it has to be there and for us for god it's our whole lives but for us it says those fathers they do it for a few days like really as parents, there's like this section of life where we're called to discipline our children, and then it's over. They're adults. They have their own families. And so it's, a, it's an opportunity in a certain amount of time that we have to play a particular role that if we really love them, we have to do it. Right? God doesn't, because he loves us, he's involved in our lives and cares about our lives. He's not a senile, you know, old man out there who's just like, ah, oh, have fun, do what you want to do type of a thing. So I say that just to say, you know, um, sometimes we could feel like I'm not getting the results I want with a child. But the reality is God shows his discipline 
even when there's not always the type of results you might think there should be. Um, you see it all through the history of the children of Israel and even in individuals' lives. Eventually, it yields the peaceable fruits of righteousness. But uh, I say that to say, you know, it could be discouraging if you got a particularly problematic child or there's just an era in some people's history where you got to discipline them a ton. Right. There's there's various ways that this kind of works out. But the one of the basic things the Bible says is if I love my child, I must discipline them. Period. So we could talk about practicalities then. But like if this is not there, then I am not loving my child. This is what God is like and what God does. And again, we're a reflection of him. So what I'm going to do is just in, in terms of Again, trying to give you a structure here is break this up in three ways. I'm going to give you a goal of biblical discipline, an attitude of biblical discipline, and then a little bit of method. Okay, And in all of those things, we want to look, again, to the Lord. There's so many ideas out there. We want to look to the Bible, look to God, look to what he says, and then build off of that. So the first one, again, is the goal in terms of discipline. We're imperfect parents. We're going to get this wrong. There are times that we're not going to do it correctly. We're going to discipline our kids when we shouldn't have disciplined them. You're going to discipline them and find out they just had an earache, right? They were upset because they're getting a new tooth or something, right? They didn't actually do the thing that we thought they did. There's going to be times where we get it wrong. So <clears throat> the outworking of it, there's going to be some mistakes. But our goal should be correct. Like, that doesn't have to be wrong. We should have... <clears throat> the right aim in terms of why we're disciplining our kids, what, what we're moving them toward. Because discipline is more than just like a punishment. It's, it's how we're living out of life. It works out on a lot of different levels. So very simply, if we say that what our goal is, it's to raise our kids in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, that's Ephesians 6, 4, so that they can leave our home and display Christ-like character. That's the goal. Again, I didn't know what he was reading this morning, but that Psalm 127, 3 through 5, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. Like arrows, they're supposed to be aimed and then released. So my goal is not to keep my kid in my house or even just to create a nice happy home memory. It's to prep this kid to be released out into the world and do what God has for them. Not even what my dreams are, what he has for them. And, it, and if I don't have that goal, I'm going to be disciplining the wrong way for the wrong aims or for the wrong purposes. So uh, I literally say this to my kids sometimes. What is my job as your parent? And they'll always initially say like, well, to love us and to be nice to us and, you know, provide for us, protect us. If I ask a normal adult, like, what is your job as a parent? That's normally what they'll say, provide and protect. Like, those are part of the things. But my goal is to equip and disciple you because you're leaving my home. So even in the most practical things, this is part of discipline. It's not just the punishment, right? I talked, when you leave our home, do you have to know how to do your own wash? How about we learn how to do that, Right? Chores, literally, you need to make, you need to know how to make a meal. You're going to leave our home one day. You need to know how to use money. You're going to have to know how to use a phone. 
You're going to have to know how to be a Christian in all these different elements. And it's my job to help prepare you to go live for Jesus and honor him one day outside of my home. So that's part of the way we talk about those things, right? This, you're you're going to be a young lady one day. You're going to be, if God tarries, maybe a mother or a wife, or you're going to be a young man. You're going to have to have uh, your own family. How do you how do you think you're going to set these things up? It's very easy to have those conversations, even from a young age. So it puts in their mind, like, I'm sending you out. You're going to have to learn to drive, right? Like, all these things, they become a part of your life. Now, if that's not my goal, if we don't have that stated goal, then my discipline for my kids, if I'm making them a part of my own life, be- looks very different. Right? If I'm just trying to have a happy, relaxed home atmosphere versus equipped to send you out into the world, those look like two totally different things. <laughs> so I'm going to start disciplining on things that you know what, God might not really care that much about this thing. Where his goal is totally different. So do I want my kids to be respectful just to have a relaxing life is very different than because you're a Christian and God asks these things of you. Those are two very different things. And always putting it back in that proper context is important for us. Um, You know, it can't really be more about me than about them. So our authority as parents is an extension of God's. So I'm an extension of his goal and his purpose for my child's life. And I'm my discipline is an extension of his. Working in that same goal in that same direction. So I have to have that same aim. Hebrews again 12:11 says, "No chastening seems to be joyful for the present. If I'm just shooting for a happy home, Discipline's not often that fun. (laughs) I'm not going to want to do it. But it's not joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruits of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. I'm disciplining in relation to a Christian life. You're going to have to be a certain type of character. In the end, I don't care what you are, per se, career-wise. I care who you're going to be. That's what God cares about and what your aim and purpose is in life to be a disciple of his, to honor him. Those are the things that we're aiming for. Now, if we give that up, it's not that we're not training them. We are training them, but we're latently training them for some other purpose. You know, they they begin to see these things. If you're like snowing out, it's not nice. Let's stay home from church today. It's been crazy. Okay, but if they see that, but then they see you go to work while it's snowing and not nice and go to travel team while it's snowing and not nice, I am latently training them to say this is a lesser priority. Discipline, like I said, it's more than just punishment. It's a a life discipline. And a lot of times we're missing these kind of lower levels because we just have the wrong goal. We think that somehow they're magically going to pick up the right goal. Well, it's up to us to say, here's what the goal is. Here's what God wants from you. Here's what he's asked me to do as a parent for your life. And then even when kids don't like it, they at least understand why we're doing what we're doing. Right? Because there's always going to be things they don't like. 
But when they don't like it and there's not a reason behind it, then they get frustrated. If they don't like it and there's a reason, then at least they can say, like, all right, you know, this, this is what it is type of a deal. And there should be a clear reason. So the, at the goal of our discipline should be, again, raising them in the nurture and training of the Lord so that they can leave our homes and serve him. So my discipline has to be in the context of that goal. And I think that will help if you just have that kind of aim when you're thinking of your practical situations, right? Does, do these things match up? Because that's what God's goal is. This is what he lays out for me scripturally. And if not, then maybe I need to change some of the way I'm doing things here. The second thing that's important is our attitude in discipline. You might not think of this as a parenting conversation, but Luke 10 when Jesus is talking with a lawyer, he says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said to him, you have answered rightly, do this and live. But he, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, who is my neighbor? Right, this, this guy, and then he tells us the parable of the Good Samaritan, doesn't want to have to be neighborly toward people, so who really is my neighbor? And the Bible tells us he does that just to justify himself. Now, how this is parenting is because we can essentially do the same thing, but it's my kids. But what the Bible gives us is the command to Christians to love God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love their neighbor as their self, also includes your home circle. My office as a parent does not give me the right to ignore the command to be loving towards my children. And sometimes we think, well, because I'm a parent, like I could kind of get away with certain types of attitudes towards my kids. But God doesn't give us that leeway. That command filters down to every role in my life. My parenting is just a role in my life. Just like the same thing with my wife. I'm not allowed to not be loving to her in a neighborly fashion because she's my wife, so she should be able to get over it type of a thing. So even in our discipline, almost all the time, we can say the same thing a different way. Like many times, your child can say the same thing to you a different way. Right? You and I, even in our discipline, it doesn't have to be harsh it doesn't have to be sharp. It doesn't have to be a cruel rebuke. It doesn't have to be demeaning. I, I'm still supposed to be loving toward them, but I could say, I love you, but go to your room. Or you're going to be spanked, or what we're going to do is take this away from you, or however we're going to take those things away. I like to just context, keep the context in. We're going to have to discipline you just to keep it in its proper Form, right? That ends up looking like a lot of different things. But the, the, the importance here is, you know, again, I'm, I'm an expression of the Lord's. Moses got in pretty big trouble when he expressed that God was angry when he wasn't. And <clears throat> God isn't angry with us when he disciplines us. He disciplines us because he loves us. Very rarely, even in Jesus's rebukes towards his disciples, was he angry. He was the one time when they were keeping the children away from him. He was pretty upset, right? But most of the time he rebuked them, but he still loved them, 
Never pushed him away. His rebukes didn't cause him to say, I'm out of here. He's too cruel, too hard. He rebuked them pretty constantly, kind of. You guys have little faith. This is not the spirit that we're of, right? We can kind of go down the list of how many times he had to rebuke and correct them. And our correction toward our kids, it still has to be in the context of love. And on top of that, there's probably sometimes we could be justly angry, but Jesus was perfect. We're not, right? Our, our MO is going to be we're usually going to be angry about the wrong thing. And I, I should probably not be expressing this in my discipline because it's still a sign of my love towards him. I'm trying to teach you guys something because you need to learn this when you leave our home and go serve the Lord somewhere. I, I don't have to be angry at them to do that. If I'm angry at them, it probably means I'm not disciplining for the right goal. I'm probably disciplining for myself because our timetable's thrown off and you will not eat your food at the dinner table, right? <laughs> like, we need to leave in 20 minutes. Or, you know, our, our life is already crazy and now you're making it crazier, right? And then our anger comes up usually in selfish reasons. If I'm looking at them saying, I'm loving them and they need to learn something. And so discipline is a part of you learning that thing. I, I don't have to be angry at them to do that. I can be gracious with them in that regard. So it's important for us to remember, like in the end, we are disciplining our equals. They're not my equal right now, but they will future be my equal and very possibly greater in the kingdom of heaven than me. We have no idea who our children are going to be. So God gives me this little person who's going to be my equal. I get to play a cool role in their life. Nobody else is going to get to do this for them. But we're going to stand in the kingdom of heaven before God together. That's the end goal, right? What we're shooting for. And they could be greater in the kingdom of heaven than me. So when they look back, when we both look back on this time, <laughs> do they see the context was, you're disciplining me? to get me here because you loved me. And my attitude in that should be love. And, and I don't get to justify myself just because I'm a parent. So it's important for us to recognize that. And this is sad. What happens is if we don't do this, then when I discipline with a, a negative attitude or an ungodly attitude, what happens is, you raise functional kids who can't wait to get away from you. And there's way too many families that look like this. That the kids, they're functional. They know how to do things in life and show up on time because they had discipline in their life. But because it was cruel or just with the wrong attitude, I can't wait to get away from you as a person. Because the reality is, no other normal human being would want to interact with you if the attitude you gave to your kids, you gave to them. Right? You wouldn't build any other type of friendship or neighborly type love with any individual with that type of attitude. And it should be in the best case scenario that our kids, as they get older, build a type of friendship type relationship with us. But if we have just acted like our role as a parent exempts us from God's command of love to all men, which is not true, we will then, as I said, raise functional kids who can't wait to get away from us. 
And that's not what God's goal is. He loves us all the time. And he disciplines in love. And we can be nice people and still discipline them. Like, I can even say please and thank you to my kids for things, right? Like, I can have a loving type attitude, and I, I don't get exempted. I shouldn't be like that lawyer who says, well, who really is my neighbor? Or, well, they're really just my kids. They're not your kids. They're God's kids. And one day they're going to be your equal. You get to play this role for a little short time in, your, in their lives. So it's important for us to realize whatever we're doing in our discipline, it's going to look like a lot of different things. My attitude should be loving. However it works out, biblically, I don't have space to have the wrong type of attitude toward my children in my discipline. Then the last thing is this, kind of the method. And the reality is there's a lot of different ways this will work out. Uh, I do think it's going to be particular to the child and to the goal. Uh, Again, when we see God disciplining in the scripture, he does it a lot of different ways in people's lives in the nation of Israel. Uh, You know, I have two different types of girls. One of them, if I said, go to your room, it would be like heaven, right? If they can just get alone and do their own thing. The other one, like the greatest horror that I could say to her is, you're not going to eat any candy for the next week, right? (laughs) Like, Like essentially that is walk around moping, weeping type of a thing. That's like where you can hurt her the most, right? So there are different kids, right? That might not be discipline for one kid. But the reality is how we're going to work it out, the methods are all going to be a little bit different, and they're going to be kind of tailored to the individual on some levels. So I'm just going to give you a a couple different things here um, that hopefully can be helpful. And I tried to think like maybe little kids, uh, middle kids, and like high school type kids. Okay, so uh, again, I don't have high school kids yet about to enter that junior high section, but I have done youth ministry uh, with hundreds of high schoolers for like 20 years, so I got a little background there as well. So the first thing I want to say this, and this is more for little kids, okay? When God disciplines, he disciplines for disobedience, not merely weakness or immaturity. And Little kids are going to be little kids. (laughs) It is who who they are. There's only so much we can expect. And I think particularly when when kids are little, like we can't discipline them for motives or attitudes because they don't know how to reason through those things yet. They don't understand those things, and it's impossible for them on some levels to control their emotions. So the goal here, particularly when they're little, is to teach them to listen to you, to recognize authority. They need to hear what we're saying. I can't say, don't be crazy, stop that silliness, uh, what are you thinking? They don't know how to answer that. Right? <laughs> to, don't be crazy means, okay, right now my parents upset with me, so I need to do something different. But the next thing they do is crazy too because they are crazy, right? So they're three, they're crazy. They can't live not crazy. This is who they are, right? What they can do is they can listen to me when I say direct things. 
do not go up those steps. I remember one of my daughters like just standing there at the steps, kind of lifting a foot, then putting it back down, right? They can, in the middle of what they're doing, I can say a concrete thing and then expect them to listen to me. And typically, again, just what I would do is I say something to them. Very often they would not listen. And then the second thing I would say is, what did I just say to you? What? And then that often cuts through whatever insanity is happening there. And they're either trying to remember <laughs> or they're realizing, I didn't hear what he said the first time. And I need to listen because the third time I wouldn't ask them anything. I would just discipline. So, uh, And I don't have to be super angry about it. I'm trying to teach them to listen to me, right? Don't go up those stairs. What did I just say to you? And then, you know, whatever you want to do, take them, put them in their playpen or something, right? Tiny little smack on the butt, right? We never hit our kids. We're never abusive. But they would realize, okay, the discipline comes because we're not listening. That's, that's the problem here. I have to learn how to listen. And the, you know, to try to set out rules that they can remember or follow is impossible. What I want to teach them to do is listen. Because the opposite is how many times we see this. Parents saying something, saying something, saying The kid cares nothing about what the parent is saying. Is running around all over the world doing whatever they want. And we basically teach them when we don't immediately force that you need to listen to what I'm saying to you, that they can ignore you for a long time until you freak out. And then we get upset because we're like, our kids never listen. <laughs> but you don't actually teach them that they need to listen. A lot of times the discipline needs to come quicker and probably can often be lesser then because the goal, what I'm aiming for is to teach them, particularly little kids, to listen to me. Right? God wants us to listen to him, to hear what he says, to recognize him as, a, as that authority. And again, they need to recognize you as their parent, as the authority in life. That's where God has you. So you want to teach them, make it your aim to teach them to listen to what you're saying. The second thing, I think, then for those middle-type age kids is God disciplines people who understand. Now they can understand what you're saying, and they choose to disobey. So direct disobedience. All right, I have said this thing to you. You already know what I'm saying to you. And you choose in that moment to disobey what I'm saying to you. Now I will bring discipline. If I haven't said it to them, I can't discipline them. So we did not tell our daughters that you cannot use the really expensive ink from your calligraphy pens to make slime. Now, they should probably know that, but they may not know that. And I have never actually said that to you. So you're not actually being disobedient. You're just being a child. Maybe you're kind of actually creative. So, but I can't discipline you. I can't just be angry about something that I never actually, you're not living in disobedience. You're just a crazy kid. So we haven't talked about this. I haven't laid down a rule about it. You're not not listening to me or walking in active disobedience. So even though you might be frustrated, like, I told you not to climb on that mound, but I didn't tell you not to climb in the tree. Okay, well, we need a new rule now, right? 
that you can understand, and the rule is this, and then when they know, and, and a kid, this is where a kid knows, and it becomes reasonable that you should not do this thing and you did this thing because you've been disobedient, now you're going to be disciplined. That's why, because of disobedience. Because uh, otherwise, a kid, again, is just thinking like, I don't know, I got disciplined today because my parent had a bad day or their anger, or they never said anything to me. And that's not what God's, God doesn't discipline us randomly for things that we don't know are wrong. He disciplines people because of disobedience. And the direct command most given to children in the Bible is to learn obedience. Ephesians 6, 1, children obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Colossians 3, 20, children obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Now, we shouldn't be overbearing in what we ask for our obedience. Again, the obedience we're asking for should be in context of the goal, right? To raise them in his nurture and admonition and send them out of the house. Again, I'm asking you to do these things. These are going to be important for your life. They're important for Christian life, for the way we run our household here. When when a, a parent is asking for overbearing obedience, then you discourage the child. Colossians 3.21 says, Fathers, don't provoke your children lest they become discouraged. So in the goal of aiming and releasing my kid, I should not be asking for overbearing obedience that God doesn't ask for. Like, you know, be quiet for the next half hour just because I'm tired of listening to you or something. No, that's my problem, not their problem. So I shouldn't be disciplining them for, for my issues. You know, it has nothing to do with the context of what I'm doing in their life, aiming them toward the Lord. So, you know, maybe just a good question to ask ourselves is what what is God expecting from my child? As opposed to what am I expecting from my child? Like what what does he expect? And again, he expects them to listen. He expects them to obey. He disciplines direct disobedience. So. It's a delicate balance, but we are called, what a, what a child learns in a godly home is a surrendered will versus a broken spirit, right? Those two things are contrasts. A surrendered will is real obedience in the Lord. A broken spirit is something that we just lay on people. So it's a delicate balance there, but I should know what my what my aim is, and I should be able, with those kids, those middle-aged kids, particularly, to talk to them and say, here's the clear thing, and I'm asking for obedience. And when there is disobedience, then I discipline for disobedience. If I didn't give them the rule, I got to chalk it up, right? And then next time, again, like random things, they don't, they often don't understand. I told you not to be crazy, like in their contexts. We did, this was fun, not crazy, you know, and then your parents is like an overbearing ogre type of a thing, right? They should understand why they're being disciplined because you were disobedient in this thing and you already knew because I told you not to do this and you did it. So the last thing is this for older kids. Try to get through this. When God disciplines, he forgives, he loves, he shows grace but he does not remove all consequences. I think this is important. With David and Bathsheba, 2 Samuel 12, 13, and 14, the Bible says, So David said to Nathan, 
I have sinned against the Lord. Nathan said to David, the Lord has put away your sin and you shall not die. However, because this deed you have done has given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme, the child also who is born to you shall surely die. And also he would have wars, it was said. So he is clearly forgiven of the Lord. But God does not remove all consequences of his actions. And I think particularly as our kids are getting older, biblical discipline will be to allow, sometimes to give, sometimes we give the consequences, but it also sometimes is allowing consequences in their lives. You made this decision, now you're going to have to get a job, right? (laughs) Because you want money for this thing or whatever, you're going to have to work for it. Or guess what? Now you're not going to be able to go to this thing now that you really wanted to go to. Or, hey, yeah, I'm going to have to ask you to go ask that person for forgiveness because you were wrong. That, that there's an allowance of certain consequences because, again, the opposite then is, um, I'll, I'll say it's the parental berate and rescue, right? Where privately you yell at your kid like you want to murder them. And then you, whatever they did wrong, save them from all consequences. And publicly, you defend them and act like they've never done anything wrong, right? Probably not the parents in this room. But there are parents out there that will defend their kid to death, even though everybody knows they're a little scoundrel, right? Now, at home, I have no doubt they're like, you're an idiot, why are you, right? Like, just berating their child. The child is learning nothing in that scenario. The goal is hey, you did something wrong. What you did that's wrong has consequences. We love you. We forgive you for what you did wrong. But guess what? Like, your choices matter. And as they get older and their choices are going to matter more and more and more and more, as hard as it might be, maybe some of the best lessons they're going to learn are my choices have consequences before they enter into bigger things in life. And it's important for us, I think, sometimes to allow those sins, the things that are wrong, that are actually wrong, right? There are things that are just accidents. You know, that's fine. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about sins, disobedience. God forgives David of his sin. He forgives us of our sins, but doesn't always remove all the consequences of our choices. And with our kids, it's okay to allow them to fail a class and like now you're gonna have to go to summer school right? or like hey you didn't get that thing in time you can't go right? like there it's all right for them to learn there are consequences for things in life i don't have to just holler at them for not measuring up and then save them from all their consequences part of discipline looks like allowing them to learn this lesson again For our own profit, Hebrews says, we become partakers of his holiness. So all these various things, they're not not always easy, but the role of this discipline in our lives is not for us, it's for them. I I can't look at this scenario because, yes, a lot of times to play this role will make life more difficult on you. Like, because now we got to drive you to summer school, you know, (laughs) or drive you around until you buy a new car because you were racing with your friends and destroyed it, right? Or 
Like, yeah, now there's more kind of on us. But again, short time, we play this role in their lives. And then it's over, essentially. They're their own people. God will do that in their lives for the rest of their lives. But we play it for a short time. We have a particular aim that we're going for. In that aim, I, I have to have the right attitude. And it is big that I have, again, an attitude of love. God disciplines us because he loves us. He disciplines us for our own profit, that we could be partakers of his holiness. And I need to be thinking about his goals and not just mine, not just my goal to get to this family party or to make this thing happen today, or I'm not going to get dinner done in time, you know, or I'm not going to be able to get a shower and get ready before we go to this thing now, right? That's what happens. We got these other goals we have that really are not that big in the scheme of having them live Christian life and go serve God somewhere. And we start acting in ways because they don't have the right context that aren't kind or Christ-like. And there's really no place for us, even though we're parents, to live that, at least no biblical place. And I think I just hammered the attitude one because the reality is, like I said, we are going to get it wrong sometimes. But if we have the right attitude, I think that goes a long way. You know, and we're explaining to them it's because we love you. Here's what the goal is. Here's what God asks of me. Here's what God wants from you. They're particularly when they get older, they they can reason those things out. And they can also reason, well, my parent is just totally without purpose, right? Or the things they're asking really make no sense. Or they don't matter in the large scheme of things. When they're younger, like I said, they don't, you don't have to explain those things to a three-year-old, you know? Like I said, my daughters are 9 to 11. Now we have more of those conversations of, like, what is my job as a parent in your life? When they were three, it was, it was just like, listen to me, you know? I'm here, you need to listen to me, you're going to die type of a thing if you don't listen to me. So when they're older, and particularly teens, right, they will know if what you're doing is reasonable or unreasonable, if it's in the right attitude or in the wrong attitude. So, you know, I think disciplining, again, for our profit or theirs makes a big difference. Like, what am I really trying to weigh out here? So, uh... Hopefully those things, the goal, the attitude, the method, right, they're, they're going to change. The method's kind of the thing that shifts around a lot, but the, particularly the first two will give you the context where in your particular situation and scenario, it'll help you figure out a godly way to handle that instance.